Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. So I, um, I was going with my, my wife up to have some uh, uh, a meal last Sunday with, uh, with some mates in, in Highgate. So I parked my car, right? Um, and as I get out of the car, there's a guy. The first thing I notice is I look through his window and he's got a fabulous jukebox in the window. I think, what a cool-looking character. Kind of stubbly-looking bloke, mid-40s. <coughs> huge pair of headphones on and he's, he's digging his front garden. And I shut the door and he looks up. And he looks at me at absolute astonishment. And then he drops his spade and he points with both fingers to his headphones. And he says far too loudly because he's actually got... Well, you can tell what he's listening. He goes, I'm listening to you. <laughs> I just... I was absolutely... I had to just sit down on the wall a bit later. I just had to... Because I was dizzy. I was dizzy with the idea that people would get up in the morning on a Sunday. It's like drizzle, too, actually. Yeah. And would dig their gun and listen to two people, you know, kicking Bell and Sebastian around the park. He was just... He was so, so there he was, digging the garden, and he's got, he's got the sound of you talking bollocks in his headphones. Yeah. And suddenly, he starts to notice another voice coming from outside the headphones, yeah, yeah. which is you talking bollocks yeah. coming up the yeah, road. Live. Yeah, just backed in. Live, live, live. Satellite it in. And if he, so I was so if, touched. If he'd stuck around for ten minutes, I'd turn yeah. up ten minutes if later. If he's listening, I'm so touched. Yeah. I, was, I was really knocked well, people t- Hasn't somebody got in touch in the past and said that they were listening to the word podcast on the tube and they were, they were laughing and they looked up and Mark was sitting opposite them. That's right, no, I was, that's right. Did that. He didn't say anything, actually, that so, day, but he did email about in it. In future, if you're listening, we have to do this as a special competition. If you're listening to the word podcast and you come upon in the street or in a cafe or a pub or anywhere... Somebody's on it. Somebody's on it. <laughs> it's it's your it. job to actually... Tell them and yeah. have your picture taken. Have with you all got a phone? Possibly camera. relieve them of five pounds. <laughs> I don't know. So if were you listening to this one, of course, you could also, if you spotted Andrew Collins, Andrew Collins. Well, do you know what? Uh, because here he is, Andrew Collins. Yeah. If you nip down the British Library and probably catch him later. Well, it's on. very easy to find me. I must admit. <laughs> if you want to kill me, um, <laughs> <laughs> I always think that. You, know, you get really worried if people send you odd emails and stuff, but frankly, it's not that hard to find. No, I mean, frankly, you can hang around the World Word Office. What kind of odd emails do you get? I sometimes get odd emails. Do you? From yeah. what listeners to Six well, Musical? No, it's always set to do with the other podcast I do with uh, Richard, because, um, 
you know, we the Richard we, Herring, Popper, yeah, there is yeah. a certain amount of scurrilous uh, kind of humour which is based upon sort of cartoon versions of ourselves, and uh, you know, Richard goes too far. That's his that's his job, and so uh, a lot of people. So is your job to rein him in? Well, I, I don't have to there. I do on Six Music, obviously, and, and that's kind of again sort of pantomime version of our of our relationship. But on the other podcast, nothing to do with the BBC, the views expressed on it are just the views of Richard Herring. <laughs> he can uh, he can say what he likes and does. And, he and, does. Was, and was and I I don't think I even though this is uh, listened to by adults who are old enough to have gardens. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you something he said the other day. You can listen to it, but something he was talking. He was oh, talking about. Who it was about? It was, we'll was about Kate, Kate Middleton and the wearing of uh, the cursed ring of Diana, as as he calls it. <laughs> okay. Uh, which yeah. appears on, and I will tell you this because uh, you may not know that there is a. Uh, uh, it's not official, but there is a royal engagement coin that you can buy, uh, limited edition. Oddly enough, of four forty nine thousand five hundred or something. <laughs> like that. No, four thousand five hundred. Really weird. Anyway, uh, you can buy this, and it's actually produced by the Cook Islands, so you should never find yourself in the Cook Islands. You can actually spend it. It's a Cook Islands dollar right. uh, commemorating their engagement. And uh, oddly, I've never seen this before. It has a photograph of the happy couple on one side. So instead of a horrible kind of ugly... Uh, an actual carving, photograph on a coin? An actual photograph, somehow a imprinted. Photograph. Yeah, a colour photograph. It imprinted, can't be worth a dollar. Out. It just <laughs> looks worth the most awful... And you've never seen anything so awful in your life. A coin should That's not have a photograph on it, should it? That's collectible. You know, Princess Diana appears on North Korean stamps. Well, still, still, that's nice. <laughs> well, we get some, we encourages people to buy them. They're a sentimental. She appears race. on the cover of broadsheet <laughs> magazines the whole time. There's got to be a connection, a commercial one. We just put an issue to bed last night of Word magazine. I know. Well, bit knackered. I was, I was crying. Dave, Dave Atworth has been ill. He put as you can hear. Dave, say something so people can hear how bunged up you are. I'm nothing like as bunged up as Somebody I was yesterday. Somebody coughed off Mike. Yeah. He coughed off my I, I've, I've, You may occasionally hear strangulated sounds. That means I've gone into the corner to cough. <laughs> uh, Fraser might try and hit our, uh, you know, our a version of a cough button. Like, <laughs> <laughs> used to have a cough button, didn't they? They did. BBC. There's one. I don't think we use it. You, you're supposed to it. press while you cough, yeah. and then you go back, and yeah. it kills things. In fact, if you're in one of the self-op studios, as they call, where you're not yeah. looking at the person you're you're talking to yeah. in some faraway BBC studio, there is definitely that button on the yeah, yeah. on the yeah. self-op. They have those things in Japanese countries, don't they? To mask the embarrassing sounds. Yeah. No, I seriously, so. yeah, I believe so. They have right? them in yeah. Japanese lavatories. Absolutely, yeah. That's if the name for this podcast. Sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's too hey, many, that's Too many things to think about. It's too much to think about. <laughs> yeah. But I think if anybody, if Dave isn't feeling very well, which he isn't, I think if anybody wants to send him. What do you send people now? Would you? I mean, you used to get Lucas A, didn't you? Jigsaw. Oh, right, you want to send, yeah. send him a jigsaw <laughs> of you know of Raikuda. Yeah, no. <laughs> Some of, the ra- some of the radio head albums. I mentioned the issue because I think um, there's uh, Andrew ought to explain one of the pieces. A very funny piece written by Andrew Collins uh, about karaoke circus. Yeah. Uh, without giving away. Well, it's, I mean, tells uh, me about uh, it. having uh, uh, it's it's a London only in the extent that it's a night which so far appears every sort of two months. In London, and it is what it says. Uh, it is a karaoke night, but it's a karaoke night with a live band, which again is not the first time that's ever happened. A uh, live band put together by comedians and musicians, Daniel Ward, Martin White, and uh, it's grown since 2008 when it started. Um, and uh, it's one of those things that you know about it, you go to it because comedians basically get up so and sing you, songs. we've got pictures of Chris, Chris Addison we've got um, amazing calibre of not always famous but usually attracts one or two really big names yeah. so you go there for the love of doing it uh, you if you are participating you're invited to participate by Martin and uh, you pick a song which they know they can play they rehearse the song so they sound pretty good 
you cannot rehearse with them, so you must sing it for the first time when you're on stage. You're allowed to hold the oh, lyrics in your hand oh, if you right, wish. So yeah, the well, lyrics don't come up anymore. You can hold the lyric sheet in your hand, but it looks better if you don't. And it's basically the chance for comedians who always wanted to be musicians or singers to get out there and have a go. Uh, and people from the fringes of comedy, sometimes massive names like Tim Vine, Chris Addison is regular there now, yeah. uh, Ben Miller, amazing David Bowie. Ben Miller does and done seriously that's the thing it's not a comedy night as such uh, it's mostly so when know, Ben Miller does David Bowie is he throwing himself in into it's oh. so the moves the utterly, facial expressions utterly, does he um, wear a, a powder pastel blue tends, suit it tends not to be dressing up Okay. I did uh, wear a trilby when I was Tom Waits, but that's just because it made me well, feel what, better. Which song did you do? I did uh, Way Down in the Hole, because even okay. people who didn't know Tom Waits would know that. Well, well, yeah. no, the, the handful of people who've seen The Wire will know it as the scene. Can we hear a little bit of your uh, Tom Waits? You have to put the voice in, you can't sing. Come on, come on. Uh, how's it? Way Down. It's quite, quite gravelly when I get I can't do it. He, I, actually, well, just say what Tom Waits always says on stage. At the beginning of it, he said, now for some religious material. Usually he mentions on stage, he says, um, welcome to my nocturnal emissions. <laughs> yeah, <brilliant. laughs> when I saw him, he said, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, white of prawns, never give any money to charity. Basically, they're shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> It should be in the Bob Dylan joke book. It should be. It's, it's really, really good. I want to hear a snatch of you. You also do. Well, don't uh, you? Uh, the only living boy in New Cross. That's what I did on Thursday. One appeared on Thursday. What happened? What happens with this thing? And the important thing to know about it is that nobody knows who's going to be playing there. So it's not uh, the draw of who's going to no, be on. No, no. The tickets go on sale. They sell out in a day because it's not massive. They play small venues. This is the Royal Vauxhall Tavern in South London. And uh, I chose to do The Only Living Boy in New Cross, the Carter U.S.M. song. Having done, uh, in the past, uh, Uptown Top Ranking, which is very embarrassing. I've, I've, that's on YouTube as well, unfortunately. Uh, I'm, God, I'm not, unfortunately, unfortunately, no, no, I'm not, unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately How awful! You should, see the, you should see the size of my stomach that night. I don't know what oh, really? I've been eating just and drinking. Just that night? Just that night? Listen to it. I always version of singing yeah. that song and made you double yeah. in size. But also, uh, I was doing an impression of two Jamaican teenage girls, which is difficult. That's true, Gender thing is the yeah. most difficult. You have bit, to yeah. say ting with yeah. <laughs> absolute sincerity. You can't. Uh, you can't mock it. Yeah. Uh, oh, so anyway, so uh, yes, I did cast the, the Unstoppable Sex Machine song, which was hard to do. Uh, actually, Jim Bob's lyrics are very complicated. They're full of puns. There's one they really are. fast bit in it, which I knew I couldn't do, and I didn't. I, just I just give, us a, give us a line. Well, there's a very fast bit where it's uh, uh, eyes down, keep you up to date, two fat ladies, 1988, uh, safe 16, lovers who lie, um, Pearlie's Queen and Mother Makes Five, Butchered Bakers, oh uh, Deaf and Dumb God. Waiters. It's... it's that's brilliant really stuff, but very hard to do. It's much faster than that. And I'm, I did muff it. But this was a, a first. Uh, as I say, lovely bunch of people always turn up. And, and members of the public go up between the, the acts. So it's so judged, judged X-Factor style. And uh, again, for fun. And somebody wins. And they get to go on and do the final song. It's, it's, it's a joy. That's the whole is a joy. Everybody gets clapped. You, Nobody's getting booed. It, everybody is appreciated for just getting th- up there and having a Don't you think it's interesting? Because it, it sort of, I'm, I'm not plugging my true stories told live, but it, it ties in a little bit. It with does you. tie I, in. I am working on a piece about this, about all sorts of folksy entertainment options. And it strikes me that what people are doing nowadays is kind of reinventing the form of entertainment almost that their grandparents used to, it's true. Used to pursue in church halls. Yeah, yeah, you know right. what I mean? It's quite folksy. It's anti-cool. You know, also, everybody's gone through clubbing and big gigs and, and blockbuster movies and so forth. This stuff is, is immensely kind of forgiving, isn't it, in its nature? Completely. Also, nobody's getting paid. Well, so, That's the important yes. thing. No comedian is getting, nobody's getting any money. Uh, so it levels everyone out. As Martin says, uh, there's no green room. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, no absolutely. fruit 
great. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're in the audience, you're enjoying the show, then you get up on stage and you sit back down again. And, and at your night as well, there's nobody getting paid no. for that. People are going to do it for the fun of doing it, aren't they? And that's what makes it good. So the thing that we do notice with comedians, and we've done 18 of these now, mm. is that comedians don't like being in the room before they go on. Interesting. They, they, they like the idea of a wall. You know yeah, well, I mean? that's probably true. And they do go away in a corner, and you see them psyching themselves mm. up. Cause they're in, and I suppose that's because of the rough and tumble of the comedy circuit. Yeah. They have to be armoured to go on there, because they think they're going to get things thrown at them, and they're not. Even at, uh, at uh, the tiniest comedy gigs, uh, there's usually a curtain somewhere. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. just yeah. a curtain. They <laughs> like that separation. Yeah. But also, presumably, there's part of their act, <clears throat> which isn't them. And therefore, there's yeah. part of their act, which is a performance, because I've been to your uh, show four times, and, and, and the non-comedians, what they want you to do is to identify with them, yeah, as yeah. in fact you were on the first one, I did, mm. was to uh, identify with them as, as, as regular human beings, because what they're doing is, is showing you their vulnerabilities, yeah, yeah. fallibilities, and uh, failures, and that's how you that's connect it. with them. But that's why I think karaoke is interesting, because you kind of go up there to fail. Nobody's it. Yeah, completely! Oh, Nobody's this is why I didn't this do it. Is, this yeah. is it. I got I one offer at a birthday party, yeah. and I completely I know you're, you're against it, it but... I, and I'm I, not I, against I'm well, terrified. not against it. You're against doing it. I, I would have been up until uh, doing it. I've done it in the house, you know, around somebody's house on the computer. So you've got to embrace your own crap. I have never done crap. it. I'd love to do it. I, but, would you? Uh, yeah, I'd really like to do it. That's the next yeah. word in your ear, special yeah. feature yeah, of the next gig okay. that we have at the Lexington Market and Carrier. Maybe I should, but I'd love to do it. But I think it's really interesting that, having watched it, you're absolutely right, that the people who appear to be polished and expert and have thought about it are less entertaining than the people just monumentally fucking up. Being being shit is <laughs> being definitely shit. that's the, certainly that's my calling card. Right. No, I will be right. uh, reliably shit. Uh, but the, the one little fact which I would throw in is that this is the first time this has happened in, in, in you know years of karaoke circus is that I was the first person to perform a song whilst the person who wrote and performed that song originally was in the audience. So so Jim was there. Oh, well, how Jim fantastic! Bob, Jim Bob was sitting there. I was doing it. I, I, Did that I make it worse? Much or worse. Fuck, does it that be impossible? Because he's yeah. probably mouthing the words. Oh, you know. yeah, it must have been horrible for him. I mean, he was very gracious. It it must be, imagine your own song being killed in front of you. It's a key feature of performance, isn't it? It's a key feature of performance that people. People yeah. don't take sufficient notice of is that if you go and see you know a big act in a big hall, you assume that if they're nervous, they're nervous about the mass of people, the scale of the event. They're not. They're probably nervous about the fact their mother's in, mm. or the guy from oh, the record. Oh, that's so true. Oh, or Neil the bass Tennant. player of so and so. Neil yeah. Tennant told me how he played at the Wembley one well, this a few years ago, and how his mother had come, and that they, the Pet Shop Boys, at that time had a, a very uh, kind of erotic cabaret, suggestive, mm. uh, <laughs> frankly very hot, sexual, suggestive, and an old manner of upending. She knows. She knows. She's going. That's okay. That would have been a tremendous way to find yeah. out, wouldn't it? You know, I'm starting to think, she says to her friend. Penny <laughs> you know the the Penny's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I'm in them. I'm in them, yeah. You know, they gave out. Oh, dear. But, uh, no, and he said that was absolutely agonising. And he said that Barney, uh, I'm not Barney, I'm uh, Hooky, Hooky from New Order. Who you imagine is somebody who is just sort of unfrightenable, really. Hooky had had the same experience that he'd gone on, I think, again at Wembley, and one of his parents was in the audience. But he's, he's Hooky, he doesn't have any parents. You know what I mean? <laughs> but imagine, you're about, you're, to get, you're about to go on stage at Wembley or whatever, and, you know, you're just in the wings, you're just about to go out there, and you're the world's most confident rock star, and somebody goes, oh, Bob Dylan's in row three. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't want to know that until yeah. after you, you really, I, I, I might you, scratch you, the times you, they are a changing from the You him or list. not... 
You would just be distracted by the whole yeah. idea that he was there. It would be you? absolutely horrendous. <laughs> it's like doing comedy, which I've had uh, an excursion in doing last year, uh, performing stand-up comedy when comedians are in. It's just... it's. Oh. So who was in the audience when you? Who was in the audience? Well, the thing is, doing it Edinburgh, clearly there's a kind of you know yeah, like yeah. A community of comedians who yeah. go and see each other's shows. Yeah, all, all radiating yeah. immense negativity. Yeah. All <laughs> standing <laughs> with their arms crossed. Yeah. Fail. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely Be not funny. I found another side to comedians, and maybe because I was no threat, that they were actually very gracious and nice about it, and, and helpful. In fact, that's very patronising. <laughs> that's patronising. Yeah. I had to, I had t- tips. If, uh, if you'd been completely tips. brilliant, they would have kicked your ass. Tips: Don't smoke in bed. Um, okay, can I throw in a question that's come from the from the yeah. massive via Twitter? Yeah. Because we were talking before uh, when Andrew appeared just about sitcoms, and Andrew, you're currently writing something, aren't you? I'm writing Radio something 4? which I can't give the title of because no, we're jinxing it. But I'm writing, just finishing writing, a four part sitcom for Radio Four, which is the first comedy I've written for Radio Four. Right. Uh, so it's a massive learning curve. So you're probably confronting the very kind of issues that Gagarin is raising here, and he's referring <laughs> to um, <laughs> to episodes, which is the Thames and Greg. Uh, uh, Matt, LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc yeah. and Stephen Mangan thing yeah. that's just been on, on BBC BBC? Yes, BBC yeah. uh, and he says, when they're producing TV comedies such as episodes is there ever a meeting where someone points out it's not funny? <laughs> well, do you know, this is the interesting thing about episode, I think. Uh, episodes which I started watching and gave up with about halfway through, partly because I've got too much stuff to watch at the moment. Since Sky Atlantic launched, there's just too many American programmes I yeah. want to watch. So I simply don't have the time. So I gave it three episodes and and, you know, because, A, it's a comedy written by somebody who has written Friends, co-written, uh, by one of the men who created Friends, which means... Which has you know, got to be a plus. How he managed to get Matt <clears throat> LeBlanc in it. Yeah. And, and also, I love the, uh, the the British people in it. So I thought, well, I've got to watch this. Looking forward to this. It's a sitcom without uh, an audience. It doesn't have a laugh track. Yes, that's right. right? So that puts it in a different basket uh, to something that does. And so you have to decide when to laugh. You watch Friends, they tell you when to laugh because some people are laughing. Yeah. When it, and it works. And it's very funny. This one, you have to decide when to laugh, as you did with The Office and various other things, Lead Balloon. So it's a completely different kind of thing. And this line from the Radio 4 official comedy guidelines, which I've had... You're reading us from the no, Radio well, 4. This is fascinating. Fascinating, this line, and hilarious, I think. Uh, this is a line from the guidelines. Most Radio 4 comedies... By and large, I think, uh, are done in front of an audience with people standing up, archer style, goon style, with their screens. Yeah, and laugh laughing, now, yeah. louder. Yeah, and, and that's lovely, and that yeah. brings about a certain type of comedy. Mine isn't, the one that I'm doing isn't, it's going to be in a studio, it'll be presented almost as if a drama, really. Yeah. So it's a comedy drama, yeah. effectively. And this yeah. is what it says about comedy dramas. Avoid comedy dramas that are neither very funny nor very dramatic. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. But this is the best. Tied your shoelaces together already. And remember, the absence of a studio audience does not give you permission to be unfunny. Which I just love. I've had that tattooed upon myself so that I can read it every day. And it's brilliant because if they accuse you of not producing a very humorous thing, you say, I, I, I had permission to be unfunny yes. and I accepted yeah. it. Here it's, is right. written permission. it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> See, the interesting thing about episodes, paper. and I watched all of it, and I kind of enjoyed it in an odd way. There was, was something cold, I enjoyed it, yeah. A bit distant. Cold, yeah. But um, I found it amusing. 
I only laughed out loud once. There's a scene where uh, they go to a, a rape crisis benefit dinner. Oh, I never got and, that uh, <laughs> And uh, Joey is so insensitive to the occasion. He, he wants a drink on the table, you know. So he just he, he gets a corkscrew and opens a bottle of wine while a rape victim is making a speech on stage, you know. That's and it's good. just really basic kind of gag that Bob Hope or Groucho mm. Marx would have made. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If they and could have had a rape own- crisis story. <laughs> okay. yes. But that's the only open open yeah. laugh in the whole thing but it's it's nonetheless amusing but it's you know and there's an increasing amount of comedy that is amusing mm. rather than making well, making you laugh and that is actually what lee mack was desperate when we first started to work on not going out together years ago was he was desperate to kick against that because it, he felt there was too much naturalism in comedy for his own personal tastes yeah. the comedy he grew up with more wise and whatever was about laughing really loudly at stuff that's funny and he felt that even though obviously he admired and loved the office and other stuff for how clever it was he said it was it was you know about embarrassment and it wasn't about laughter and so he wanted to do because it suits his kind of stand up style gag after gag after gag after gag with the studio audience yeah, 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 and people yeah. were standing in a row and that's what he did create, you know, that's what yeah. not going out isn't, and, and it's just finished its fourth series. I don't have such a big role in it now as I did at the beginning, but having worked on that programme, you do, well, the way it works is you, you do, in the first series, we did a draft together and finished it, and then a couple of extra writers brought, drafted in to suggest extra gags. That was the first series. Second series got much harder. Uh, we would work more remotely gags. from each other. I would yeah. write one draft, send it to Lee. He would do a second draft, add more gags. Then even more writers were drafted in to add gags. In the last series, there was a list of, I think, seven or eight writers, additional material, were gagging up. Because gagging not, not gagging, because gagging up the, what the, they're doing. The further it's gone down the line, the more gags are required to just throw it until there's enough gags. Cause, and it's a really it's a punishing thing to work on, yeah. but it is just about gags. And so it's unusual. It doesn't really fit in. It's not like my family, which has kind of build-up, punchline, end of scene. It's gag, followed by gag, followed by another gag. See, I find it astonishing that anybody can, can make that system work actually i can remember reading an interview with richard there were a lot of curtis bodies, and, uh, yeah, i'm sure body count <laughs> hi ben elton and richard curtis famously had this really simple system didn't they where they when they were writing blackadder where they curtis wrote the structure of it i think and, and ben wrote the uh, brilliant uh, you know great elliptical comic gags mm. flights of fancy and, and they, he would just post this is about the days of Amstrad he posted the Amstrad disc I think and he would insert those <laughs> yeah. and their rule was if one of them erased something it could never be put back in again because at any point is that a good, good rule, rule. Yeah. I think it's a good rule if you're collaborating yeah very good rule if, it, if, so if, if one person is saying no believe me this yeah. is funny yeah. and the other one's going it's not yeah the second one is right. Often with uh, partnerships that you find, I've certainly found myself in writing partnerships which have been basically based on blind dates where there's a comedian and they want to hook him up with a writer. Yeah. And, so I, and that's happened with Simon Day, it's happened with Lee Mack. I've done it on other things as well. And so in a way I'm drafted in to become their new friend because you have to be friends. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If you don't get on, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it really isn't going to happen. So I think I'm quite easy to get on with. That's yeah. probably but my then main again, But then again, you're getting on. I would have <laughs> thought it would be counterproductive but too. Have, but in a way, but you have to trust each other then. You have to. You know, one of you can't be in charge. Yeah. If, I tell you, this is not funny if you're sitting in the room or even sitting yeah. at either ends of, a, of, of, of an email, you've got to trust yeah. each other. But, yeah. but Lee, I think because he's in it, he is in charge. Because right. he's got to say it. Yeah. But that's a really interesting point, Dave, isn't it? Because, yeah. you see, it's basically a, a, it's a positive and a negative. So why go with a negative? You could mm-hmm. just as easily go with a positive, couldn't you? Well, it's quite interesting. It, 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 I mean, I can see why it, it makes the quality control very high. It was the same thing that John Peel used to do. I once sat in the room watching John Peel and his then producer John Walters going through a... Um, 
going through uh, listening to auditioning records for the show, and they had a thing where they either put them in the, to, to play pile yeah. or a possible pile, or they put them in, a, in the corner in the bin. Basically, yeah. if something went in the bin, it was never allowed to be on the program because if the two of them had thought it was not sufficiently good enough, then it would be desperate to put it back in. It means they hadn't worked hard enough to find a replacement for it. Right. So that's quite a good system. Well, I suppose that's it, the same system we're talking about here. It's, it's, it happens, I think, in a lot of different uh, weird artificial areas, less in real life. If you go into a shop and there's two of you and you want to buy something and one of you likes it, you'll buy it. But yeah. if you are, as I've done recently, sitting in uh, sitting around a massive conference table being a judge, uh, and this was for the Royal Television Society Awards, can't obviously say what the category was, but there were about 25 entries. <laughs> Visual, obviously, it's for television. And we'd all watched all 25 entries, and then it's the judging day. You sit for about two hours uh, with, a, with a person who's the chairperson, and you've got to get it down to three out of 25. And the first round is... What can we just chuck out before without yeah. him discussing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Which is so horrible. Because exactly. every single one of these things oh, is somebody's work that they've. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, and also, it's not presented. Gonna win, but but yeah. you've only got three. It's you've got to get 25 out of three. Yeah. So you go around the table and everyone suggests something they really don't think should be in there. And if a couple of you have suggested it, then actually. You, well, we got, you know, we can't sit here all week. No, we've absolutely. Got a couple no, we've, hours here. we've got other, we've got work to do. We're not being yeah, paid yeah, for this, yeah. so that stuff has to go out. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, do, do you find also? I don't know if you found that in that case, and yeah, obviously you can't quote it. But I, what I've seen happen loads of times in judging situations is that you get down to the three, and the three are one obvious contender, another obvious contender, and a less obvious contender. And very often, the less obvious contender wins because there's an impasse between the two yeah. obvious contenders. Could be because true. if one person around the table feels very strongly about this thing, it's quite likely somebody else would feel equally strongly against it. Mm. But also, people use a, 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 yeah. a, 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 a numeric, numeric system, which is they give three points to the one they think should win, two to the one that is going to come second. Yes. And therefore, the one that comes second is nearly always the one that's the least favourite because they're voting against the yes. other one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's yes. probably ha- this is probably how. Yes, so true. what actually happens <laughs> is that the one that with the, number, the, the one that, all the two points yeah. scores yeah. add up to a correct. Yeah, yeah. It's how the Oscars yeah. apparently work when, when there's a kind of uh, an impasse. I think they go to the second second vote system. I don't know. Probably is that AD? You, I can never be sure. Write, didn't you write something for the Radio Times about the uh, when you? It is the Oscars this weekend. Yes, right? there's there's um, Andrew Collins is the Radio Times, as you will know, viewers. Uh, the Radio Times film critic. And didn't you write a sort of piece about? Yeah, well, every you year because I've been doing do it. it. I've doing it for many years, and it's uh, uh, usually myself and Barry Norman, their, their esteemed columnist. We have to say who's going to win the Oscars in the main six categories anyway. Right? There's no point in guessing which is going to be best editing. So we do the main six. It's, it's so embarrassing. It's, well, it's just like the horse race thing. So because of... this is a magazine that will still be on the arm the next day. You know? no, no, no one of cares if you do it with on, a big picture of you on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, little thumbs but up. worse, you have to say what will Go win. Go Inception. <laughs> which will win, which should win. Which is, again, it's really embarrassing if you think the thing that should win will win, because it looks like you've got no opinion. Right. But I've had to do it again this year. Barry's not around at the moment, so I have to do it on my own. It's horrible. It's a horrible thing. Well, let's let's hear some who of cares? your suggestions. We can all have a big laugh. Well, I'll, I'll go through the six if you really want to know. I, yeah. What will win, not what I think should win. Yeah. Uh, social Network, I believe, will win. Good. Why, why should it win? I saw that the other no, day. No, it must. I think it should win. As, oh, good, good, oops, good. As, I thought we were going happens. to have a fight. No, well, no I'm not on that one. And nor on the director, David Pincher, I think, will yeah. win. Uh, you know, uh, these films were never going to win the BAFTAs. But I think I think this, this thing will... It should. So that would be good. A good result. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman can't not win Best Actress because she spent a year training to be a ballet dancer. Yep. Which, really, seriously. I mean, no, seriously. It would be a total rip-off would you? It would when was the last time you? When was the last time you trained... For yeah, a year to yeah, do but something. Maybe, that's not how you judge actors. <laughs> no, but it? I'm thinking how the Academy will vote. The Academy of Daniel Day Lewis uh, tends to throw himself into roles. He for, does, yeah. For years and, on end, and does 
occasionally win. Uh, does, think, of course yeah. he wins. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's never on, done anything right, like this before, so I think she will win. Uh, best actor will be, oddly enough, I think will be Colin Firth. Yeah, I don't know what's happened. There's some kind of weird juggernaut uh, has happened. Yes. Uh, best supporting actor and actresses are, are more fun to do because that could go anyway. Uh, so I think Christian Bale uh, will win Best Supporting Actor uh, because he lost in a massive amount of weight. Oh. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think, uh, I think Best Supporting Actress will. Ah, uh, not sure. Uh, possibly, possibly, possibly Amy Adams for for the fighter as well. But it's, it doesn't matter. You know what? I always think at the end of all this because I have to write about it. I have to think yeah. about it, and people ask you to go on the radio to talk about it yeah, and comment yeah. on it. And I always end up thinking, who gives a fuck? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it. I love enjoying. Do you know we had this debate. I love it on telly. We had this debate. I think last week we must have had it again. But no, because, because I just I was I didn't mean to sound unkind. But I was talking about um, uh, Mark Kermode's thing on Radio yes, Four, which and he that, was yeah. just the whole thing that you know that it mattered. I, I just it, what what annoyed me. We can't go back onto this again. Is that you just really the important thing is this film any good? Yeah, you know? That's all. I mean, yeah. the issue <laughs> with the King's Speech, as far as I can see, is that the Academy adores. Uh, it has a very uh, strong Anglophile uh, streak, and yeah. it adores uh, posh accents, uh, the royal family, uh, aristocracy, and period costume. Yeah. They think, oh, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. they think it's a contemporary, a gritty contemporary drama about modern life uh, in this country. That's what they think. They assume it's the Gulf War, and, and that's what it's leading up to, and that we've got a king. Um, I, I uh, have seen uh, the King's Speech, as nearly everyone else has, and I saw the trailer so many times. I got the measure of it pretty quickly before seeing it. So. I felt I'd seen it before yes. I saw it. Yeah. Then when I'd seen it, I couldn't remember whether I'd seen it or not. And I think that sums up the film. Right. It doesn't. It's, it's perfectly fine. God, but it really doesn't is, that matter that much. Yes. Praise doesn't come but much you know fainter what? than Tom, that. Tom Hooper, uh, who's directed this thing, he directed some amazing stuff. Uh, he did uh, John Adams, the HBO Oh, well, that's yeah. good. Brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Much, uh, you know, so he's a superb director, and I'm delighted yeah. that he's going to be at the Oscars. That's great. He won't yeah. win. But it's lovely that he'll be there. And I, I feel pleased for all the people involved, really seriously. But it isn't anybody's idea of best no, absolutely. in any year. This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. Got more questions from the Massive uh, via Twitter. Uh, and Davyman19 says, you've had a week with the new Radiohead album. Has it settled in yet for you? Oh, I like, I like, I like the assumption there, Dave, that you, particularly you, David Hebworth, have had a week <laughs> listening almost exclusively to nothing else but a new record by radio. I've been under Have you ever heard any of their <laughs> I was only pretending to be ill yesterday. I was just... He's actually just, good, just couldn't I tear just himself away from his cans on, you know, and uh, trying it for the 12th time. It's, I'll tell you what struck me about this Radiohead record, which I, I've had a very bad time trying to listen to this, because I only had a chance to listen to it in the car with my wife. And my wife... Your yeah, wife threatened to throw herself out. She literally said... It, at first she said, I, I can walk from here. Yeah, you know, it's miles. You know. And it, 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 oh, it just it got more and more. And eventually, she said, "What is?" And these are fair points. What is the point of this group? And I said, "And then when you tried to defend them, you know those groups, and you're you're a great example of this. You've got so many passionate groups. You're so passionate about. And then you you feel really destabilised <laughs> when somebody points out, looks at your one of your favourite groups in this kind of completely exclusively negative way. It, you then feel utterly exposed and rather lonely. When Maybe. I got uh, my first iPod. Uh, you know, it was, I think it was the second model of it came out. Still, still using it today. Fish Small price. children laugh at me uh, yeah. in the street when I get this great thing out of my pocket. Um, <laughs> I, I obviously did the first thing you do, which is load up some of your favourite CDs onto it, and then go, "Wow, I can just list to these and this." I don't have to carry yeah. around. Yeah, uh, revolutionary. And uh, I remember loading up loads of records of my own, and and kind of selling, trying to sell the idea of it to my wife, and going, "This is amazing. What yeah. I found about this new thing. Not only do you not have to carry stuff around, but you can put this thing called shuffle on, yeah. and random songs." come up it's an amazing new idea and she went oh, very interesting let's have a go 
And the first song that came up was Gang of Four. The second song that came up was Gang of Four. Because yeah. of the she, she, stuff no, by that I now she's in. thinking, I married the wrong guy. No, she just kind of, I've got this for the rest of my this life. This is a shuffle of Gang of Four. Bora. Christ. <laughs> so that, that is what happens. If you are mad about one band, it becomes exposed. And, 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 and yeah, Radiohead actually, I think, uh, fit into the discussion you were having a couple of podcasts ago about REM. I think. I think they've reached that yes, stage. Yes, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of parallels between the two of them, and they play with each other and all sorts. Um, we know kind of what Radiohead Records sounds like now. Don't yeah, we? but the weird thing happened when, when we were arguing about this. I said, "Look, I tell you, all right, we won't listen to the whole thing. I think it's eight tracks." I said, "I, I, I heard it in the office as someone was playing." I said, this, "I think it's the fourth or fifth track. It's, it's just terrific. Mm. We'll, we'll go for that." So I punched through all eight really quickly. So you're just hearing the first three or four seconds of each one, and that was the most extraordinary thing because, of course, the first three or four seconds of all of them sound almost identical. They're just these unbelievably jittery rhythms, yes. aren't they? Just, yes. just <laughs> impossible to drum. You can't believe yeah. you could ever replicate this live. You know, with the same. Uh, chord sequences and then eventually the same kind of uh, it is a very much a one gear emotional experience the time yeah. you, and also this extraordinary YouTube have you seen the, yeah. the footage the video well Dave you want to watch it hundreds of no, times I'll tell you it's basically <laughs> Tom York let's do some I've got some radio let me give you my theory and I've not, I've not heard the new one but I've heard recent you yeah. know, records that made the last few it. years I think probably they've been playing in the office yeah. go on, go on. um most, you know, they they had some very big songs early on, didn't they? Which everybody knows, you know, and if they turn up on film soundtracks or in the in the pub, everybody would recognise those. And I think most groups, when they get past that period, if you follow the old theory, they actually most groups actually have three years, three years purple patch. Yep. Most groups spend the rest of their time trying to replicate those songs. They wouldn't admit it to you, but that's actually, actually what they're doing. Yeah. I think Radiohead know that they can't, and are actually so terrified of appearing to yeah, try. Very, that like what they're trying to do is now something so removed from what they did before. Well, the odd thing about that in the chronology of Radiohead is that they did that when they put out Kid A. Uh, Kid A followed by Amnesiac, which was recorded at the same time, which was their kind of weird, spidery, sort of ambient set. And that came and deliberately the back opposite of this to... massive, you know, stadium eating uh, success yeah. of the album before. So they kind of did that already. And those and Kid A, I think, was the first number one album they had in America. Right. Right. Even though it was a difficult album, it wasn't difficult for their massive, massive army of fans. So they've done that. Then they kind of worked that experimental stuff back into the old, uh, you know, rock music and came up with Hail to the Thief, which is still, I think, one of their best albums. Uh, and now, True. since then, they've kind of done a bit of that and a bit of the other. They haven't come up with anything that's so new and I think it was uh, Alexis Petridis in The Guardian who said we expect, or some of us anyway expect a kind of revolution each time now and, and they can't, no band can come up with a revolution right. each time even the Beatles. Do you think they've been wrong footed? This just struck me because I got a, yesterday I got an email from a, from a PR and the PR's email started with the phrase um, uh God, isn't isn't the Radiohead album disappointing? That was just to get my attention. <laughs> this is Radiohead's PR. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's head of the other high record. Oh, shit. That's right. Do they have a Oops. PR anymore? Oops. No, no, no. And that, that was so... The general, when people do that, it's just an indication that out there in the ether is an absolutely overwhelming consensus of this is... Um, colossal disappointment and that's how he's getting my attention to tell me some other record you know and it made me think that um 
it might be it might be counterproductive to do things this quickly because if you put out records in a conventional way then you forewarn people and there's a little bit of yeah. drip drip on the radio or whatever and basically when people write about it, when people actually assess your record whether you like it or not they have had a huge amount of time to do so yeah they've had the record for three or four so you're weeks, arguing so the complete reverse so of what the, i argued no, i'm i'm arguing <laughs> that the pro- yeah that the problem here is that is that if you put it out instantly, in fact, they said it was coming out on Saturday, on Tuesday, and then brought that forward, in fact, to, what, to Friday, so it's one less day. Mm. And the panic to r- rush into print, or rather online, because in fact, print's got nothing to do yes. with it, it becomes an online yes. media, to, to panic to rush online to give your assessment of it, and how easy it is to, to look at everybody else's assessments of it, to com- and to compare and contrast, means that the general result is a huge hail of uh, discord and, and misery and disappointment. And so the general That's feeling nice. now is that that record is no good. But you might, you probably, you might find loads of that, uh, the, those people who've been discussing on Twitter and Facebook or whatever like it, but the positive thoughts probably get driven out, driven out by, by the negative. The interesting thing to me is that, is that the, the, um, you know, the old kind of solid, the, the role of a record as being something that you largely experienced on your own. You know, it was a solitary experience. You know, you went, you bought it, you took it home, you played it on your own, and and you came to a view of, about it over a period of time. And then after a period of time, you met some other people who'd had a similarly long relationship with yeah. it. And then you had the kind of social com- component of, oh, what's your favourite track, or do you like it, whatever. Nowadays, a social bit's gone in front of the record, hasn't it? So most of it, hey, I'm doing it myself. You know, I'm expressing opinions about Radiohead's record. I haven't heard it at all. And most of yeah. the people expressing opinions on Twitter have probably neither heard it either or have heard I, two tracks. I, I, no, I completely agree with that. Or whatever. Because, because the conversation about it is sort of more attractive than the thing itself. Yeah, and also the easiest way to the great social glue is to generally agree with whatever the consensus point is, isn't it? And so, therefore, if the general feeling is this is a rotten record, to go around saying it's a rotten record I don't, yeah, immediately... I don't actually think it's... I haven't got the impression from looking at Twitter traffic that it's wildly negative. The, you know, but uh, I, I, I get the feeling that loads of people on Twitter felt that they ought to have an opinion about the radio. Well, there is that, whether it's funny, positive, negative, or whatever. Yeah. Because it's just it's this week's it's a story thing. Yeah. It's you a know, story. People yeah. are getting a bit bored with you know revolution in North Africa. Oh, there's a radio heard record. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. and then on Sunday there'll be a, a football issue or something. Yeah. You know, it goes in Libya the, today. Radiohead tomorrow. <laughs> It and does. now the FA Cup. Did anybody else get the impression that from, from following the Twitter traffic about North Africa, it's, it reminds me of people's coverage of Glastonbury? It's, uh, it's sort of like... <laughs> it's so it's well, it's, it's, it's sort of moving at the same speed, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, on. the first day was a bit of a disappointment. The second day, sun came out, and, yeah. you know, a bit worried about the mud on the third day. And, you know... <laughs> the conditions are terrible. Yeah. Seriously, you do... Trench foot. <laughs> you do get that feeling, you know. We had, we had Gaddafi down to go two days ago, and now, frankly, we were a little bit impatient. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's just the a crowd huge... are getting restless. There's a huge appetite for incident. Yeah. yeah which true. all this stuff just... You know, you can you can feel it in the media. You know, they're getting up every morning. Oh, we had a good day yesterday, and today it's going to be about so and so. You know what I mean? Because it's they've got a full agenda, and that's what everybody wants—a full agenda. And Radiohead are part of that agenda for a certain part of the media. At least the other countries in in North Africa uh, and uh, surrounds are, you know. Adding revolutions to the well, got bored okay. of quite oh, yeah. quite sharpish, yeah. so it's not quite yeah, there, is, there is a feeling we might choose the another dictator. It's be been very entertaining, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I do hope yeah. you can keep it up. Yeah. Anyway, the word podcast.
What's wrong with being sexy? Uh, John Innes says, having seen Billy Bragg last week, is there anything more powerful than one man and the guitar? Is there anything more powerful? Well, there's one there's man nothing the more dreary than one man and a guitar. If it's the wrong man <laughs> and the guitar, I would, there's not much more powerful than Billy Bragg with a guitar. I well, a man who can't play the guitar. <laughs> yes. uh, I don't, there's a piece about uh, a guy called Remy Assam, actually, uh, in the next edition, who's the, he's the Billy Bragg of Cairo. Right. And, and I love the idea that he has been described, even by people out there, and I know exactly what they mean. This guy has collected up all the uh, political slogans uh, being batted around and has performed in the square, and the YouTube footage of this guy has been actually quite um, instrumental, actually, in, in, in putting out certain messages during the... Uh, what was the Jasmine Revolution and the, and the fall of the Battle of Cairo, you know. So uh, there, there are Billy Braggs all over. What? Dave, you're laughing at what? are you saying the Jasmine Revolution? It's like a Jas- week ago, nobody had heard no, of Jasmine Revolution. No, <laughs> no, we've worn this one out. Yeah, I thought they were a group signed to Decker in 1968, <laughs> but no, they're actually... <laughs> you're absolutely right. Andy yes. Fairweather Lowe played guitar. But, <laughs> Very good. But anyway, Very no, good. so yeah, I like the idea that there are Billy Braggs. You know, like, although, you know, you could argue when Billy Bragg came along that before that there were Woody Guthrie's. All over the place. Yeah, right. certainly Billy Bragg would say that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the most powerful one man on the guitar performance you've ever seen? Can I go first? Oh, God, okay. That's a I point. go first while you're thinking. Yeah, go on. I saw, mm, how long ago is this now? 15 years ago. Neil Young at the Hammersmith Odeon, Apollo, um, performing just with, a, with an acoustic guitar, well, with a semi acoustic guitar. And he had a, a kind of mic on a headset or whatever, so he could prowl around the stage. He had the, the curtains taken away from the back of the stage so you could see the brick wall at the back. And he just prowled and he played. And it was the most powerful thing I've seen from one man and a guitar. Extraordinary. Far better than him with a band. Amazing. Any, 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 uh, any advance on I, that? My, you, know, you know how much I love Billy Bragg. And uh, so there's nothing to be Billy Bragg, I don't think. In fact, seeing Billy Bragg oh, the first time on Top of the Pops... Uh, when he did Between the Wars, where it was still kind of balloons and confetti. <laughs> and and he just stood there, you know, looking incredibly young. He, I'm absolutely definitely on I YouTube. can still remember that yeah, broadcast. Really, vividly. really young with the guitar and this voice, which is just almost a speaking voice, with this powerful song about, you know, industrial it's, relations. And, and controversially, he sang live. Do you remember? Yeah, that was and the it was live. That was the thing. He did it. And so you actually heard the sound of his guitar yeah. coming out of his guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there were, you know, people, they kind of, I think they stopped dancing. That particular, <laughs> yes. you know, quite hard to dance. To, but so. even you know, those people were kind you of just had shallow mode, but they, yeah, yeah, that's right. they were dancing anyway. You're you know, about to get to so Billy, yeah. Neil Young, Billy Bragg, Fraser, uh, Pete Townsend doing oh. a new version of "Won't Get Fooled Again." Ooh, oh, that's good. Very, that wasn't boring. No, 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 it was ferocious. It was oh, really? one-man fury. It was great. Where was that? Brixton Academy. Oh, very good. It's something that, about fury, I think, we, we're yeah, yeah, getting yeah, to yeah, it here, yeah, isn't it? It's, yeah. you know, plaintive. Yes, probably isn't Hitting it, an acoustic guitar yeah. very, very maybe hard. Martin, yes, no, maybe he's got a plaintive yes. one. No, I, I, well, it's, I have got a plaintive one. This is difficult. I, I, I still haven't got the, quite got the answer. I, think, I, I saw Lucinda Williams play a great acoustic song on her own, but it was that was plaintive, uh, the Shepherd's Empire. The one I remember, but this is going to sound really corny, actually, because he died about a year later, and I'd always wanted to see him. Was Bob Marley at uh, uh, Crystal Palace Bowl mm. played Redemption Song, which is, and he had right. the whole group with him, and and uh, the I threes, and this tremendous great team around him. And that particular song he just played on the acoustic guitar. I remember thinking, and that's not even particularly an extraordinary song, actually. It's a bit. Uh, it's just. It's just a bit of a ballad, a bit unlike everything else he did. But I remember that being. It's the wonderful. fact that he did it. It's the fact that it's Bob Marley. I guess. Now, f- uh, further question from Rinkadima. 
This is a good question. This Go is on. a good point. Crouch Rock. If it had happened now instead of 40 years ago, would it be more appreciated? Wouldn't it be called Crouch Rock? It certainly, <laughs> it certainly <laughs> wouldn't be called Crouch Rock. Is that good point? Yes. Good point. Yeah. Oh, surely Crouch Rock is happening now. There's lots of Crouch Rock groups. Um, no one's paying attention. Uh, okay. Presumably in, well, the, in I, the sense that we'd never heard anything like it at the time. I think it was regarded as a bit weird at the time. It yeah. was, the, it was the, the preserve of people in long Macintoshes who... Uh, mm. It was Andy Gill, yeah, to, to be fair, to Andy. Andy Which was one? always The music well, critic? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there were certain people who liked Can and, you know, mm. Eamon Dool and, and whatever. And, and, and also most of those records didn't even come out in Britain. They were imports. So they're probably quite hard to get. Kind of, there was a snob value to them. Yes, there yeah. certainly was that. Yeah. Well, when it I was, was at the NME, yeah, 1980, people like Chris Bond used to write about uh, just endlessly about, almost exclusively about, mm. about German, impossibly difficult, German industrial music. Mm. And, of course, and that has become who I saw on the bus this morning. How funny, Chris Bond. He edits a uh, uh, magazine, Wired. Oh, right. It's around the corner from here. No, and not I, Wired. The wire. wire. Sorry, The Wire. Wired. Wired. Sorry, Wired. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. The Wire. And, uh, but... Uh, wasn't it the case that loads of those records, and this was in the days when stuff like that wouldn't get played on the radio, apart from maybe John Peel would probably yeah. throw the odd thing in. He must have been uh, playing. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, he did, did a bit, actually. Actually. He did yeah. a bit. Yeah. But, yeah. but you always felt that it, 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 when people wrote about it that it sounded terrifying. And when you heard it, it was quite easy to listen True, to. True, can, definitely. Can is, yeah. you know... Tangerine Dream, but, or whatever, stuff, but yeah. it was then it was uh, succeeded by groups like Leibach, who actually oh, were, right. were quite complicated and quite oh, difficult. But no, Tangerine did the Tangs. Sorry, <laughs> actually pre Ambien competitor. It was like Kraftwerk as well. I can remember first going to see Kraftwerk when they were quite new and, and expecting that to be incredibly stilted and uh, and uh, mechanical. And of course, they're beautiful little songs and yeah, lovely little minus chords and. Hmm. But I think if, it, if what Rankin Rank is seeking to say is that we should reinvestigate Krautrock, I think. That's uh, so absolutely, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I was late, late to all that, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. so I loved hearing it, not at the time. Uh, magazine question mark from Beanie. Uh, when's the official date for the 100th issue birthday? I ask because oh. I may be out of the country. Oh, right, well, we, maybe we can put it back for Beanie's sake. <laughs> <laughs> we just, just celebrate the 101st yeah, so it, it, when he's come back from Thailand. Beanie so brings along a party four or yeah, something if, like Exactly, that. if you bring some maybe pork pies yes. and a, and a, what are those, a party whoopee. What are those cans you used to take to parties, student they parties? Part, party party fours, party, party sevens, yeah. double diamonds. Pipkins. Oh, Pipkin, yeah, a little barrel, <laughs> was it? A little barrel. <laughs> oh, happy days. Oh, I, only, oh, oh, happy I days. used to attack it with a can over yeah. and it was spray of the kitchen ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is that there's, I don't think there's <laughs> any original cult. thoughts about this stuff because they're always the same, aren't they? It's my image is a staircase, a wooden staircase with no carpet on it <laughs> and with lots of little cardboard cups in which were elements of A, a very, very badly rum, made rum punch constructed of plastic dustbin <laughs> in the kitchen, right? Which already has cigarette ends floating in it. And B, kind of just, just horrible old sandwiches, again, fag stuffed out and, you know, ghastly. And so, the bloke's in talking to a girl on the stairs. Yeah. And he'd probably, you know, he would be successful in his objective at the end of the evening, wouldn't he? Whereas the people who were throwing shapes in the uh, in the living room wouldn't be, you know. They'd be, uh, no. they'd be amongst the debris at the end of the evening, wouldn't they? What was the brown sugar of your or your era, Andrew Collins, who is, who is younger than us? What, the song? Yeah, the song. Yeah, that was, well, for me, for me, it was, it was, it was Wishing Well by Free, Brown Sugar by the Rolling Stones. Um, that, those were the Can't Get Enough by Can't Get Enough by well, Bad Company. Well, you just always here. Talking about, I'm talking about... I'm talking about party. Party. Yeah, at a Party. Well, I mean, certainly for a while there, it would have been one of the kind of uh, uh, 
one of the kind of early 80s sort of goth records, I suppose, really. Good God, it was yeah, like the goth was, record? Yeah, but don't forget I was in Northampton. Uh, Planet, what, Bauhaus? Planet Earth by Duran Duran. You, you know, oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. You know, that would always come up. Uh, and certainly oh, if it was... I wish a, I'd been there. If it was a very good party, you would hear Bella Lugosi's dead. The <laughs> <laughs> All of it. But I think this was only in Northampton, so, you know... Talking like, to Duran Duran, you know, Planet Earth, have you seen somebody is, is digitising issue by issue... All the back issues of Smash Hits. Have you seen this? Yes, and they're putting I have. them on on Flickr, I think. Yeah, it's great. Oh, nice. And uh, and they've been doing it for a while, and then occasionally gets a load of notice. And the one that came up this week, I don't know if it's some anniversary, is the one where I review Planet Earth by Duran Duran. You know, and so it's five out it's, of five. <laughs> no, <laughs> or see me could do better. <laughs> Which was it? Out of ten. Yes. No, we did, I don't think we had schools. Don't think we had schools. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, but it's really, it's really interesting to be taken to task on on reviews, you know, that, that you've written recently, and then things that you wrote, you know. Oh, you still thirty-five <laughs> years. You know, what was the gist of your? Uh, I said testimonial. dull, dull in a really old kind of way, you know. Do you stand by that? Yes. No, it's pretty dull record. <laughs> Crying out loud. Planet Earth. Come on. Just, it's yeah, but so, you grew up you know, with brown sugar, you know. Yeah, five yeah. Guys, Give the boys a five break. Five guys <laughs> trying to make a living, trying to earn an honest dollar, and Hepworth comes along and <laughs> wheeze on their parade. It's uh, the great future. So, yeah. Uh, a question <laughs> here <laughs> from Rob. <laughs> It's exciting when those noises came out of speakers for the first time. It's brilliant. That was the future. You didn't care about the future. Which record particularly is that? Isn't that how Planet Earth kind of comes in? That's right. You see, for you, that's just profound misery. For him, he's back at that party. You'd mistaken new for old. Yeah, he's punching a light. It was so new, you thought it was I was wrong. You were so wrong. Oh, look at Duran Duran laughing about that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. laughing up their sleeve. <laughs> Where's Hetworth? <laughs> laughing up their bell sleeve. Actually, mm. they're probably still smarting from it all these years. They probably are. They probably they're are. the kind of people they that carry grudges along. Oh, yeah. yeah. There yeah, was a well, little wax they, effigy of you, you know, <laughs> stuck full of knitting needles. It's always, uh, didn't, it's always chills the blood, doesn't it, when you when yeah. you meet somebody and they go, you, didn't you write a review of our record? You know? Blue, oh, that's yeah, awful. Yeah. And they pretend not to remember it, but then... Yeah. I was duffed up. Exactly I was duffed up on psychedelic furs. Blows were exchanged. Really? Oh yeah, they duffed up. I was cornered in the music machine, 1980. What? All uh, of them? Do they all go? Yeah, there were about three or four. Or six of them. Three or four of the psychedelic furs. <laughs> Somebody called Butler Rhett. Yeah, no. they, Butler yeah. Was, it, was that his yeah, name? Butler, Richard, Richard Butler is real name. Yeah. Yeah. Which Butler Rhett. Yeah. Butler Rhett. Butler Rhett. Rhett. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But he, yeah. Oh yeah. Blows were exchanged. Drummer Vince Ely. Oh, I took I took a blow to the midriff. Right cross. Yeah. I thought, fuck off. What have I done? Apart from just advise a lot of you know people, grateful people, to avoid at all cost your Wretched new album. Did you say never, I've done that Never mind in a year's time, you'll write, you'll write Pretty in Pink and we'll all remember you fondly forever yeah. more, but this isn't it. No, but well, they've no. probably got up this morning and thought, Kapow. what's that? Yeah, Kapow. Yes, Kapow. Take that. <laughs> Cold steals, you medicine, they said to me. We have, uh, we have a question from Robbie1112. Achtung, did they say that? Enjoyed that conversation. That Copper pineapple, <laughs> psychedelic furs. For you, Tommy Atkins, the war is over, didn't you? <laughs> This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk.